Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we've been in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Mike Weldon and Jeff Green talk about their run from Rochester, New York to Boston, Massachusetts as part of a relay team that raised money to help fund research to end ALS. Mike and Jeff were part of a group of 10 people, including a few Canadian ALS researchers and a Miss America contestant. They ran from Rochester to Boston to deliver funds to help fund research to end ALS. 10 people, a van, an RV, 400 miles, and about 60 hours. Sprinkle in some uh, secondary highways, a giant moon, a Mohawk Valley sunrise, puking in Dunkin' Donuts, burritos in Syracuse, getting lost in the Berkshires, and you have a pretty epic journey that ended up raising some cash and awareness for ALS research, but ultimately formed friendships and bonds between people who probably would have remained strangers if not brought together by the consequences of a terrible disease. ALS sucks. And as you'll hear from Mike and Jeff, the power of people to rally together after bad events can actually be pretty amazing. A little bit healing, maybe even. So, uh, before we get started, this episode is once again sponsored by Josh Tratton. Josh is a licensed massage therapist with his own office in Winton Place inside Sports PT. Use the secret code IRONMAN when booking to get $15 off an hour massage during August. Yep, 60 minutes for 50 bucks. Now, I've told you a lot about Josh recently, uh, so let's hear from someone else. Uh, I received a note from a listener recently, and uh, it went a little something like this. Visited Stratton for the first time. It hurt good. Thanks for the endless plugs. He found the broken bits quick and beat the daylights out of them. So, thanks. There you go. (laughs) So, if you want your broken bits found and beaten out of you, Josh can do it. But also, Josh can uh, customize your massage to what you need. He's very receptive to feedback and uh, open to suggestions and willing to give anything a try. So, why don't you just call him already? Head out to his Facebook page at facebook.com slash Josh Stratton LMT, and that link will be in the show notes. Uh, Learn more about his practice and book an appointment. Tell him you heard about it here on the podcast and use this month's secret code IRONMAN for 15 bucks off 60 minutes. Okay, hey, uh, new thing alert. Thanks everyone that has been uh, heading out to the homepage and supporting the show by way of becoming a Patreon supporter and by clicking on the Amazon banner or making uh, straight-up one-time donations. Those things are extremely great ways to financially help the show, and I encourage everyone to check them out. But now, there's yet another way. Shirts! We got shirts. Show your love of the podcast uh, without saying a word. But, you know, have a story ready, because people are going to ask you about that flashy shirt you're wearing. So, uh, there's a limited run of 50 shirts, And actually, it's less than that because a bunch were scooped up when the store launched earlier this week. Uh, Check out the link in the show notes or head over to the website, 
http www.runningincideoutpodcast.com slash store uh, and pick one up. There's uh, both men's and ladies' cuts. Uh, so, you know, maybe give one a try. It seems like the uh, the smalls are pretty small. So, um, you know, if you're really, really small, don't worry about a small being too big on you. <laughs> um, but uh, as you order, if you'll notice that there's a checkbox that's saying it's a local sale only. But if you're off in some distant land and you want to show your love for the podcast, just drop me a line at uh, Chris at Running Inside Out Podcast or leave a message on Twitter or the Facebook page, and um, we'll figure out how to get one to you. It's just, you know, on account of not wanting to deal with the weird shipping and carriers and all that inside of the store, um, just drop me a line. I'll head over to the USPS and get it off to you. Okay. Now, before we get into it with Jeff and Mike, one last thing. This is a Mike Weldon podcast, and like Barry Sanders, you, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. So, this episode has some adult language in it. You may want to listen to this one with headphones on and or, you know, keep it away from the more sensitive ears. And with that, and after the longest intro in podcast history, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. So, how's it going? It's good. We're going to talk about the ALS thing, the relay to Boston. Yes. That's why Jeff and myself are here. Yes. And out of, what, nine people? Just the two of us? <laughs> That's right. Kind of there were, so there were nine of you. That's okay. Two oh, out of nine. Ten of us. Two out of ten. ten. Yeah, ten. someone bad. Really eleven. After day one, I think we lost one though, right? Yeah, so, well, we had eleven. And you sure it was eleven? Yeah. It became ten? Were you guys there? Were you there? I wasn't in charge of the head count the whole time, <laughs> obviously, because yeah. I thought there was only nine of us. And it was hard to tell how many people there were, because you wouldn't see some people sometimes. Like, Mike and I hardly saw each other. There was a lot of people time. I didn't see ever. Yeah. Um, okay. So, that's strange. So, we so, can start at the well, beginning. Yeah. You now, want to start at the now, beginning? Well, now Let's that we covered this, um, so you guys ran to Boston. We ran to Boston. A group of either 9, 10, or 11 people. So, yeah. It was 10. It was 10. It was 11 and then 10. Yeah. Because one, like, it was, got picked up by our parents. It was never 9 then. So Apparently, it was, it was never 9. Okay. I mean, unless you... Arguably, yeah, it was 9. That girl got picked up, and I was crippled puking on the fucking side of the road or in the toilet at Dunkin' Donuts. I had a bad day. Yeah. I caught a low point day one. That was a rough day. It was like an ultra. That's I heard that. Yeah. I heard that you were not doing well. We can get to that later though. Alright. So then we gotta figure out now that we figured out what you did, we gotta figure out why you did it. So we'll go back to the beginning. And take it all the way back. Uh so in two thousand and five my dad got sick and he was a runner for his whole life uh or at least for my whole life 2004 he got sick 2005 he died of Lou Gehrig's disease ALS um and I was a really heavy smoker at the time uh so I hadn't thought much like oh cool running's anything I'll ever want to do so yeah dad died and then um he my brother Mark started doing this uh race this 5k that was like a father's day charity um fundraiser for als uh you know a benefit uh 
put on by Medved, the you know the best shop in town, and um, I still wasn't into it. I thought it was stupid. I said, "Who would run? This shit's hard." And then uh, a couple years later, I got talked into it and started doing it. And um, made sense, you know, Father's Day runner, dead, ALS, benefit. And then that was just that for like eight or nine years, that, or four or five years. I think it's been nine years now. But anyways, so yeah. then the Steve Luther guy comes at me, and uh, his father died of the same disease. His dad was also a runner. And he was like, hey, I'm planning this cross-country run uh we're going to get a bunch of people, get some RVs, and run from coast to coast and raise money for ALS. We're going to do it next year, and it's going to simulate the, the route that my dad ran with this group of friends to raise money for, I think, cancer back in, like, 70s, 80s, 80s, early 80s. Um, and that was, so we talked about that for a while, and then as it found, it became harder to get people to, to jump in on this whole thing because... Transcontinental run is a big time commitment, and the world is a different place than it used to be. Uh, he decided to shorten things to, we're going to run to Boston, and we're going to do it in like two and a half days. And then um, it was, you know, can you do that? I was like, yeah. And then he found, so it was weird, we, we had like, you know, a number of people who's, who were runners whose dads all died of this disease, which was like the the... I don't know, it was a real, like, uh, strange situation for me being, like, surrounded by, you know, other runners that had been um, affected by this thing. And then I, you know, we I found Jeff last minute. Uh, there was a guy that worked at ALS TDI, the, the place we were raising money for, that had to bail last minute because he tore something in his foot. Uh, and we were like, shit, we can't really do this with one less person. And I was like, I got this kid, Jeff, he doesn't really do anything. You know, he runs to Buffalo. Rochester. Yeah, he doesn't you know, really do. A bunch of, he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really does do, like. He does everything, but he doesn't really do much. So it's like <laughs> exactly. he's always like, he's always available to hey, do anything because he's, like he's never doing anything. No, he's not always open, but he's never close. I don't know. However, <laughs> Jeff Green is the Seven Eleven of runners. I think he's <clears> always <throat> he's always available to do anything because he's never really yeah. doing anything. So I said, I said, was Jeff? That's how? We need a guy, okay. and Green was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll do, do it. it. So that Jeff made ten. Jeff made ten. And the trip is four hundred miles. Four hundred miles. So that's not bad. Forty miles each. No, it was cool. And I was me and the girl from Canada, Angie, who's also a strong ultra runner. And I think Jeff too. We're both all three of us committed to like the concept of running more than other people, just because it's easier for us. Yeah, I did do that. Jeff didn't. Jeff begged that and decided to run fast. Jeff was like, "I'm going to run six twenties the whole way instead of run more miles." So myself and Angie kind of picked up, and we were like, we'll just do more. That way everybody else can kind of, you know, if people need a break, because there's there's people on board that weren't, you know, big-time runners, and, you know, see everybody does what they can, and everything works out eventually. So we had 400 miles to cover, uh, and, I mean, rough. we had to be to ALS TDI, like, five-ish on Monday. Yeah, we had a deadline. We had a deadline that I didn't really, I wasn't too keenly aware of at the I time. I didn't realize either. I knew it was, I knew we had to be somewhere before they closed. I just didn't realize there was like a media event happening. I didn't realize there was like a circus with cameras and a fucking DJ. So I was like, cool, this is pretty relaxed. Like, oh well, we're late. Hang out, drink a beer in the parking lot, disperse. And yeah, it turns out it was a lot more than that. So, um, yeah, there was a time crunch. Uh, 
We started, Steve kicked off with the first leg from Greece at 7 a.m. So Steve spent basically a year trying to plan a cross-country run. Yes, and then he shortened it. And then he shortened it. And the idea was you're going to raise a bunch of money. And now the idea, instead of running cross-country, you're going to take that money, stick it in a van, and drive the van with people running. At four miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) To the research facility in and, Cambridge. And then drop off yeah. drop off the big fat sack of money. Yes, exactly. And really, like, it takes, like, without him, uh, this literally couldn't have happened, um, you know, to put credit where credit's due. There, it was one thing to, like, show up and run the miles, but it was another thing to, like, have to be the one person that had to freak out about everything that could have possibly gone wrong and did go wrong and was going to go wrong and, like shit we got to get there in this time and that really all sat on one person and everybody else there could just kind of sit there and be like you know is it my turn to run again just eat pop tarts and run it's exactly what it was just eat fucking pop tarts or like salt potatoes and wait to run again or drive the van drive the rv navigate watch jeff sleep things that were happening in the moment didn't realize Uh, that was what people were doing that was a lot of things yeah this kid this kid sleeps sitting up like nobody I've seen before. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. he falls asleep. Just yeah. like, Whenever we drive to a race, oh, he gets in the back seat. He falls asleep as soon as I turn on the car. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. even. It was like rocking a baby to sleep, man. Yeah. And we're like in turbulence in an RV, oh. which is like. It's like. Real turbulence. He's driving on Mars, yeah. dude. You're getting launched. Oh Green's God. just out. It's just out. Okay. But anyway. So, so where you decided you <clears> left, you guys left on. Uh, from Greece on Saturday morning, yeah. right? And you ran through Pittsford. Yeah, so I don't know what they did, but they came up through Winton, and Green had the leg that went from the Winton there to Medved, and I was like, yeah. whatever, I'm getting fucking antsy. I'm just going to jump in. So Jeff and I laid down four and a half fast. It was fast. It was, it was fast. Like we, 630 something. I kind of, I probably pushed it Jeff was pushing it. Have. Jeff said I'm fast. Yeah. I said I don't care. It's fucking well, I said. Up. Yeah, I said we can run this faster. <laughs> yeah. We can go faster, and I said we got two and a half days of this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to use up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you you are two out of the ten people, yeah. and you said there was Angie, who is also a runner. Angie, who's and yeah. Steve, who is the coordinator, also so yeah, Rochester. Good cast of characters. So Kevin, also who's good. also from uh, <laughs> from Quebec, also yep. used, I mean he's done some ultra stuff. He's a strong runner. He was with Angie. Then you got um, Rick Conrad. Uh, he knows Steve through Trails Rock. Ended up being, yeah, oh, I didn't know that Rick Conrad my, did it as well. One mm-hmm. of my favorite characters on the whole trip, just because of his personality. Yeah, he was he's like a unique guy to just be like on board with that, that set of people. Uh, yeah. And then we had a former Miss Pennsylvania beauty pageant. I think she was yep. almost like Miss America and just fell short. Second place. Second yeah. place in Miss America. <clears throat> So she and a friend of hers came up from Greenville, PA. Yeah, so it was like north of Pittsburgh, maybe. Yes. Uh, but her dad died from ALS. And uh, and then, yeah, she brought one of her friends. She actually brought two of her friends, and the one girl that was only there for a day, I think, was was one of her friends. Uh, okay. And ended up going. But, yeah, so that was the 11th person for day one. But, yeah, so we had a pretty good cruise. Uh, we had this guy... It's the dude that works at TDI that did come, Alessandro, Alex. Yeah. Alex, Alessandro. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. fucking awesome dude. Really so cool. just like totally just a chill dude. Cool. Uh, 
and Brad was there. Brad. Brad was like a staple. This guy was just strong. Steve's niece's husband, I think that's. Yeah, this guy, he drove the RV home when Jeff and I were like, we can't drive this thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's four, like, four of us in the RV and like <laughs> two people drove home. Green and I just like <laughs> laid in the bed and slept while they drove. It was and so I was bad. like, we can't drive that thing. I'll die. I don't, which is fine. I just don't want to kill everybody else. I don't know what these people got home waiting for. Um, yeah. So yeah, Brad was great. He was a strong runner. Uh, everybody, I mean, Rick's, we, we, what happened was we were all in like these kind of semi-rotating teams of four. So you'd put four people in the van, and then you'd put five, six people in the RV. Yeah. There'd be like one person running, three in the van, one navigating, one driving, one just sitting there waiting to run. And you'd cycle through the runners in these four-mile legs. I was doing probably about six miles typically per leg. I did one that was like nine or ten. Um, and I think Angie was doing like six, eight maybe yeah she she would do a lot of like she would run double up with people her leg and then run kevin's yeah, leg or something yeah. like that so yeah there was some of that um and that was really the nature of the whole event was you'd be running with this fucking van like on your heels which is really like weird it's weird it's, it's really weird sensation. you can hear it and you can like feel it yeah. and it kind of pushes you so when it's like 3 a.m and you've been like puking everywhere or sleeping for 30 minutes and been awake for like two days yeah, and the glare, you, glare of the headlights. Yeah, you're still able you. to run pretty quickly. Well, it was actually nice to have the headlamp or yeah. the headlights because you you didn't need a headlamp. Yeah, you didn't need you a headlamp. The, you didn't need yeah. reflective. The road up in front of you. Um, I mean, we all wore that stuff because we're responsible. I did. That just wasn't necessary. Uh, yeah, Jeff didn't. You could. We can't have that recorded said, that you actually wore safety gear. Yeah, you better censor yeah. that out. Right. Along with all the swearing uh, I do. But yeah, so. That was weird. Uh, I think really, like, everybody would agree, ultimately, that the more exhausting facet of the whole adventure was driving and not running. Because like, you're sitting there you're four sitting miles there an hour. Four miles, and that's not cruise control. Yeah. So you're riding the brake the whole fucking time. Oh. You're just, your foot's on the brake. And then you try to, like, shift gears to give the brake a little bit of a break. And it doesn't work. So There's, how did you, the route, did you take all highway there? And did you have to get, like, clearance from no, police we actually, and stuff? No, we actually, it was pretty straightforward. We did, um... We took, like, back road-ish Back kind of roads stuff. through Macedon, Palmyra. Yeah. It was, like, uh, a long ways on 31. A lot of 31. Long ways on 5. 5 was huge. Yeah. 5S. And then we got, yeah, through, like, Fort Plain, Albany, like, whatever Bombers is on. I think 5. That's yeah. all I remember about Albany was getting the burrito. Good. Um, and then, yeah, like 60-something. Yeah, just highways like that. 60 highways. You know? Then we got, yeah, I crossed into to Mass, and we just ended up in the mountains, up in the Berks. Got oh, yeah, crossing that was... lost. What a nightmare. It was yeah, awesome. we... the best nightmare ever, though. Yeah. It was great. So you had this route that was yeah. mapped out of so not being, like, the throughway, you know. Yeah, so no. we had by, yeah but it, it is, like, when you go through, like, the Mohawk region, yeah. it follows the throughway. So you can right. always see 90, yeah. but you're not on, like, the river is in between you and 90. It's, like, the right. whole way. So it was really pretty weird. And the cars on your road are going 65. So yeah, like, because they just don't want to be on, on the 90. highway. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to pay the money. Yeah. I said, yeah, okay. Um. So yeah, the route, it was pretty straightforward, but there was some parts where it was like, you'd look at, we all had binders with like, this is your leg to run, and these are your turns. Wow, and that sounds so organized. I know, occasionally you'd pull one that you got like 75 turns to make, but <laughs> it doesn't, Google Maps doesn't like to be like, you're on 31, like the whole, all of these are 31. Right. Yeah. So it gets a little bit weird. 
Uh, I think there was a couple times. And then so you had the runner running. Yeah. And then you had the van behind them. Yeah. So, and the van was trying to navigate and the runner was navigating? Like, how did the runner... It was kind of like that. Like, uh, the runner would really know where they're going. And if they, if they like, looked like they were going to miss a turn, the van would, like, shout out, like, hey, you know, fucking turn right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A couple times, like, shit got really ugly and, like, everybody almost died. Like, the van would go to, like... I think one time someone cut the van off and almost hit the runner, and the van yeah. screeched to a halt and almost killed everybody involved in the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, that there was, was some safety hazards. It's all good, though. I mean, crazy drivers are for the cause. Going to be a safety hazard on yeah. the road. Yeah. It was. There were a lot of really close experiences like that, but so everyone was fine. So as is the way, like we normally like to do on this podcast, we like to start in the middle, go back to the beginning, work to the middle, and then go back to the beginning again right and then eventually so, get to the end yeah eventually i mean you know somehow well, so jeff you got pulled in on this last minute right yeah. and so a bunch of these runners um their parents died als your parents are out on the trails taking pictures of everybody so um what's your connection to this what what got you into it what were what was it for you um i well i mean it's uh ALS is a pretty serious serious thing, right? And uh I you know, read the thing Mike wrote a couple of years ago about his dad and um it kinda really kinda hit home then that this is a pretty serious thing and it again, it's not something that affects me in my daily life, but mm-hmm. um I just I think it's a really good cause and um, it, I was glad to be able to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as for getting roped into it, like you said, I just <laughs> don't do much. So what, I, what was I had it? the time to give. So <laughs> don't do anything. What but, was I doing this weekend? Right. But it does. Like I did feel a little, um, like uh, I don't know, almost like an imposter. You know, because all these people have very serious connections to the disease, and I'm just, you know, kind of there hanging out. But mm-hmm. uh, it. it it is, and um, again, talking to people on the relay too was was eye opening to hear about their experiences as well. Um, so, I think in that sense, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it became more meaningful to me that way. Yeah, you can't really unread what Mike wrote. You know that you read that once and it's yeah. Kind of I mean, sticks with not you. that you would ever want to. It's it's a yeah. beautiful piece of writing. So you hop on, you're hanging out with all these people, you make new friends, right? And yeah. and you're like you said, you're just kind of late ad, you're just the runner guy, right? You're there running. But I think there was a little bit more than just sort of running, right? I mean, you pitched in to help make this happen. So I I think that whole outsider thing probably went away pretty quick. Well, I mean, you know, the the relay itself as part of the group uh everybody is you know, very friendly and inviting and no one's doing it as like a you know this is where we run to boston to you know destroy als once and for all throw the ring into mount doom and um finish it off um but uh yeah it it's uh was just i don't know i i uh just ran the miles i guess yeah I don't know what to say about that. Okay. Um, so, Mike, did uh, did Jeff just run the miles? No, it was critical. I mean, we had 
Can we talk about the people that were there that were actually impacted by this and that it's like, like horrendously altered the course of, you know, life for a lot of people that were involved. And then this task that wouldn't have been accomplished without the people who just showed up for the fuck of it, which is mm -hmm. like Jeff, Rick, uh, Brad. I was like, you know, watching. That was the most, the weirdest part about the whole thing to me was watching these people. And it's like, you know, they're driving the van and like dozing <laughs> off at like 4 a.m. or like, you know, running at 5 a.m. and it's shitty out and it's like, or like running at high noon and it's 100 degrees out and I'm like right. these people literally don't really have a reason to be doing this except for just to do it and uh, I think that's like the the nature of the, the sport and the endeavor the adventure it's 400 fucking miles of road and it's like yeah you know predominantly trail runners just like oh, okay let's run on roads for three two days. and a half days yeah uh, it's a lot of roads a lot of yeah. road a lot of, lot of pavement and uh and that was really like the, the most critical part of the whole thing was the people that didn't have as much reason to be there that just showed up and, and did the work. And it's like, I don't know, that's that you can use that to like pull the more critical components of the human capacity for goodness, I suppose. It's the like, why the hell would anyone want to do this when they, like, it's not something that means anything really to them. I mean, and terminal illness means something to everybody. It's you know every terminal illness sucks, and it's uh, everybody's going to be impacted by a terminal illness in their life. Like mm -hmm. we all die, someone that you love dies. Uh, it's always going to suck. So you know to show up and like go to bat for people that just picked this one that's relatively rare still and relatively unheard of until it kills someone you like. Uh, pretty awesome to to be a part of. Pretty awesome to watch. And that was what ended up being more to me was, was about the whole thing was like not, hey, I'm doing this because like, you know, my dad died and I hope nobody else's dad dies. And it was more like, you know, these people who haven't been hit by it are here doing it. And I don't have a whole lot to complain about for that because it's um, a pretty good indicator of how good some people can be and uh, the willingness to commit to a, a good cause and a good task uh, so yeah it was, that was like to me the most special part about the whole event when I got done with it and was like you know wow, I was pretty crazy that we actually made that happen and did it in that period of time with all sorts of shit going wrong and all that and I just think back like the, those are the things like I remember just sitting in the van for like you know 45 minutes at a time watching people run from the passenger seat or the driver's seat and being like dude this this is brutal, and mm -hmm. like they don't need to be doing this. Right. Rick, Rick's. A, I watched Rick run. Literally, like every mile he ran over the, those three days, I was in the driver's seat or the passenger seat, and this guy is just cadence. He's got these short legs, like vascular, just fucking pounding the. And he's like his stride never changes. It was just like completely mechanical and completely dedicated and committed to this singular task that ultimately probably, you know there are other tasks that could have meant more and he showed up and got it done and that means really everything um, I think to the to the people that have been like had their life derailed by this whole thing mm -hmm. uh, and that's I mean I, like the unique thing about terminal illness and how it how it does you know inevitably kill the person that it impacts and it removes them from your family and I don't I don't have to care about this because it's gonna like save my dad because he's been 
gone for 10 years, I, um, I get to, you know, give a shit about it, hoping that nobody else has to, like, have that story go the same way mine did. And I think that's probably how, you know, things work for Angie or, uh, you know, Steve and anyone else involved that, that lost a parent to the, the disease is you kind of just learn to hope that uh, other people don't have to go through it in the same way. Or, you know, any disease fucking sucks. I mean, mm -hmm. you're a parent, and it would be yeah. a bummer to have to sit down with the kids and be like, you know, yeah, I guess, sorry. It's the, the biggest, it's one of the biggest fears, that's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think that um, that idea of, you know, doing it for the greater good, you know, that it's it doesn't have to personally affect you. In fact, somebody close to you, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. That's the, I mean, like, uh, the understanding that Jeff's there. Jeff showed up because of me, most likely. Because it was yeah. something that impacted me. Mm -hmm. And what impacts me impacts Jeff. And yep, exactly. vice versa, if something hit Jeff at home, you know, I'd be there. And now, after, like, a weekend on the road and a weekend developing some, like, totally fucked up bond with these people that I didn't know before. Yeah, you got it's a like, bond to uh, dude, Miss Pennsylvania now. Yeah, Miss PA. Dude, so this started, and we were in line at Starbucks back in Parenting. And I tell you, we got, <laughs> she's like, I need coffee. I was like, cool, like, this is my bank. There's a Starbucks here. And she's like, why? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Let's just go inside and get cut. And we're in line, and she's like, so yeah, I stalked all of you on Facebook. And when I saw you, I was like, that's definitely the killer in the group. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it was like, I guess it's cool that you're like upfront about the whole thing. The vegan uh, ultra distance running yeah, murderer. The murderer. So then I was like, and then she like reiterated that in the van, and I was like, and as like day one unfolded, I was just like thinking about spaceballs, and I was like, <laughs> Princess Vespa and like Lone Star, and I was like, her fucking royal highness. This is match this luggage. This is not going to be great in the RV. Yeah, we're in the Winnebago, and she's got her hair dryer, and uh. No, it says, but then we ended up getting along pretty well. And she Who's this, your cool. dog? No, it's my mog. Yeah. I'm a mog. I'm my own best friend. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a weird uh, way to start, but she's, you know, she's chill. We ended up, I think, being buds, maybe. Um, <laughs> but we went through the same thing together, and that's what, and that's, you know, like. You came out the other end. You come out, and now it's like, and I don't think I've had many things like that in my life where a, a complete and utter fucking stranger could then come to me like a year later and be like, hey, we did this together and I need this. And I'd be like, shit, cool. I'm on board. Uh, or like, yeah, here's my couch or something like that with someone I still don't really know all that well, but you do a common task together that is... In Not just way. any task, though, you know, like something yeah, profoundly... Like you didn't, pretty pretty you didn't put up a fence together. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, there was, there was some shit. There's, I think it's more like sleep deprivation, really. You stay awake for three days with a group of people, and shit gets fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, getting lost in the Burks was it? Uh, no, getting was it? lost in the Burks was one of the more surreal things that's ever happened. Yeah. Um, we were on some, like, you're in those roads where there's, like, million-dollar homes, and then shacks where, like, you don't know what's being made in there. Is this Breaking Bad, or is this, like... You know, man versus wild, or, and then again, you're like going by some like you know, NFL players' mansion, and then again, like a shack without electricity, and it's just that like weird juxtaposition. And then the roads on the route that don't actually exist, 
so you end up like literally just you're running and then everything just ends so you get these guys like squad a green angie kevin and alex yeah and they're out at like what two in the morning to like six yeah. in the morning seven yep by far the longest debacle of the whole trip and they covered I think they ran like 40 miles, but they covered like two miles of the route there. <laughs> so it was just like circular, like we're lost and there's no cell phone reception there. And so what, so what happens during that? Is there, is there like conflict or do you have this bond of, we already ran this far. I don't we know what they were doing, but we were in the RV and we got stuck in the driveway of a mobile, like a little cabin. And there was a bunch of pickup trucks in the driveway and it was like 3 a.m. We're like launching stones at their door. And I was like, Steve, get the fuck out of here. They're coming with guns. And uh, that was the scariest shit ever, dude. This thing's like on its side. This is a 11,000 pound RV that's like tipping over in a guy's driveway. And it's like literally these guys were probably armed to the teeth. Uh, it was just that setting. They had, you know, the repeal the safe act signs like <laughs> everywhere. And I'm like, you know. Warning shots won't be fired because we're saving ammo. I'm like, we're fucked. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, well, maybe they think we're the government and they're hiding in the basement now. Like Obama's tanks just showed up to take their guns. <laughs> we're actually just an RV full of idiots launching stones at their door. So I think we maybe lucked out on that one. So but, what were you guys doing as you're going around Lost? Yeah, was what it? were you guys doing? We were We were trying to find... So we got to that intersection where the route disappears, right? Yeah, because I said, Steve, let's go back and intercept them there and tell them to go the other way. And he's like, no, nah, I got this. <laughs> then we got stuck in a driveway. <laughs> yeah, so we, we made it there and we said, okay, the, the route now disappears. We're stuck in fucking Merkwood here and we can't get out. Um, too, uh, you guys ran anyways, right? That's pretty good. What's that? You guys ran it. You had to have run. We ran most of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then once we once we lost the route, we were just trying to improvise on the fly. Like, okay, we got to get back to where we're supposed to be. Um, so we were ducking down back roads left and right, and uh, you know we would come to one intersection and it would say road closed. We get to another intersection and it would be like this four foot wide path. Yeah. Like that's the road on Google. Yeah, Maps. we tried to like drive the RV up one of those. Yeah, and we're quickly like, <laughs> this is gonna work. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, but yes, but, and eventually we got, we we found you guys just right I don't there. remember. I remember in the <laughs> RV, Steve was driving, and I, I got this vibe where, like, it was so tense. Oh, he was. Steve was fuming. He's yeah. driving that thing, like, 90 through the mountains. Yeah. It's not, like, paved roads. This thing is, like, f- seriously, yeah. like, in hyperspeed. We're talking, like, Parish Literally, Hall Road, like, like yeah. going up to Muddy Sneaker. and. Dude, yeah, yeah like, serious, like bad roads and he's just flying around these corners and we had brad sleeping up above the driver's seat <laughs> bouncing and i was probably, like this right. is our chance to find out if that's safe oh my goodness <laughs> he comes off everybody dies uh but yeah and i think i got this vibe where it was like nobody like everybody that wasn't steve had just kind of like checked out and been like we don't know what to do this is like completely horrific when you start to depend on technology and that technology mm-hmm. is no longer available to you and you have to hope that the other people are doing the same thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And the outside shot that they are is just so small. It's like, yeah, that's shit. the biggest thing is like communication. We couldn't, yeah. we couldn't talk to no each way. other. There's no way to talk to each other. And uh, you're in these mountains in a state where, you know, nobody's familiar with the terrain. Like mm-hmm. back, you know, the first 
fucking t- day and a half were fine because everybody knew those roads. Everybody had been on them. But then you get to where nobody knows anything, and it's uh, it's dark as fuck. It's late, and it's... Then um, you got that schedule looming over you. You have a schedule. Right? You have a deadline to keep, and you're just burning up hours. And mm-hmm. I was... I kind of just, like, forced myself in the RV to be like, okay, when I do need to run again, I'm going to need to run fast, and I'm going to need to run a lot, so I'm going to sleep right now. And then I would try to sleep, and we'd hit a turn going, like, 85, and, like, Steve would, like, narrowly dodge some trees, and I'd, like, <laughs> get launched into a couple or something. <laughs> uh, and did you, did you guys think, like, we just need to let Steve... Figure this out. I just let like him do said, they just I checked said, out. And I was like, like, he's the man with the plan. I'm going to get the fuck out of the way. Rick was like, he's got it. Uh, <laughs> it's this thing. Let it on, and he took care of it. He handled it. And then I remember, like, the greatest thing ever was when we finally did find them, when the vehicles converged on the road in the middle of the mountains after all these hours, like, Angie gets out, and she was, like, smiling ear to ear. And everybody got out of the van. Alex, everyone was just like so fucking like laughing and it shows up at least once in everything we do here. Thanks, Gambit, for ruining the evening. <laughs> Possibly my life. Uh um But yeah, so they all get out of this thing and I was like, at least they're in good spirits. Or they're just like fucked because that's what happens. I mean, it's yeah, like the Bermuda once Triangle. You, once and you've given up, right? And just you saying, just like, start laughing Her watch started being weird. It was, like, spitting out weird numbers that yeah. didn't make sense. And I was like, you guys just, like, vanished <laughs> literally into the triangle for, like, five hours. It's really what it was. It covered Berkshire, no mileage. Berkshire Triangle. Yeah, it's like in Mothman Prophecies when Richard Gere gets in his car and, like, 20 minutes later he wakes up in Virginia. <laughs> and the cop's like, you drove 390 miles. He's like, I left two hours ago. <laughs> like, that's what happened in, in the Berks. With these guys. They were all, you know, to see... It could have gone so much... If, if we had converged on the road and they got out and they were like, fuck all of you, and just like totally pissed off at us for not being where we needed to be, it would have really put a fucking... <laughs> there would have been a cloud over everything for the next... You know, we had like 16 hours from there to get to where we were going, or 12 or whatever. And it would have ruined everything. But it didn't. It was good spirits. Uh... I was. I think I was next to run after yes, that, or yeah. maybe I. Or, I typically let. I think off. you chose to run. Yeah, the whole like car that was order. lost just decided that yeah, they weren't they running for a little while. We finished. I mean, the van. Our van was done running. We'd gone like, like Mike said, four hours. Yeah. Like, well, what, everyone yeah, had a chance this, to run. The way this happened was, I was like, guys, like people were nervous about the hills getting into mess, and I was like, I'll take the hills. Road climbs like they don't even register right. for me. Uh. You know, you the, just shit that, good. the shit that we run on is like, yeah. you don't see that stuff on the road. So yeah. I wasn't worried. I was like, I'll do this, whatever. And there was like rumors of this like several mile climb right after you cross the state line. And I was like, cool, I'm crossing the state line. I'll take it. Cross the state line and it's it's late, but I'm crushing, man. I'm flying. I'm hitting. I'm doing like 640 pace. There was a 600 foot descent, which fucking sucks. It was yeah. like three quarters of a mile, 600 feet on pavement, just gravity doing its thing and then it flattens out and it starts to climb and i'm still flying i average like 658 pace over seven miles maybe on this thing and it was 600 down 300 climb so probably you know whatever that makes it, it was a, a good some good climbing i got into after the descent and then i was like okay this is a good spot to stop my heart was about to explode it was really humid i couldn't breathe and uh 
So I stop, and the van pulls up, and they're like, oh, man, you're done? And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, just for now. Thought uh, you were going to do that climb Well, I did, I did the climb, and I thought that was the end of the climb. So I was like, I kept going beyond what I was going to do just so I didn't leave anyone on a hill. So I was like, Rick, you're up. And Rick gets out of the van, and we go down a little ways where I thought I left him on like a nice little downhill that would flatten out. It just turns this corner, and that's that like <laughs> three, climb. four, or five mile climb uh-huh. 20 feet later. Uh-huh. So we're just driving behind Rick, and I'm just like, fuck, I should have just kept going. I should have done this. Uh, but he took it like a, like a G, man. He just straight up, he crushed it. He runs the same trails we do, you know? Yeah. He knows what it's like. And he's got these calves that are just, like, ready to climb. Oh, they just won't quit. Yeah, yeah. they won't quit. They're huge. Uh, anyways, then he hands off to, I think... Virginia, maybe? Vir- no. Melinda? I guess Steve's after Rick in the, in the order, but... Yeah. Um, but Steve... Steve was actually, like, last in our car, and he right, was like the that. one going when we kind of got into, like, the non-paved roads where it started to get sketchy. And that's when, like... We had it loaded into Strava, and it started being like, go down this way. And then 30 seconds later, it'd be like, you went the wrong way. <laughs> and I'd be reading the directions we had printed out, and it'd be like, take this road, and there's no street signs. And I'm like, yeah. don't know what to do. Or the like, map wouldn't match the directions. Yeah, or so like it's just like, okay, let's take a chance here. And then, so we did that with Steve, and it was kind of a mess for a bit. We met up with you guys, and then you started. And then shit just hit the fan. Yeah, I think... Yeah, Angie probably started, but yeah, I was in there somewhere. Yeah, because what happens is the RV goes ahead to, it's like 16 miles up each time to where they're going to, the next exchange will be. Oh, okay, so then the R- people in the RV just kick around yeah. while the so, car runs up. So too. there's a nav and a driver in the RV, and then the other three or four people try to eat or rest or whatever. So we go to go 16 miles up, and we get about three miles into it, and just disappear into nowhere. We're like, that's a bummer. Turn around into a different nowhere. <laughs> Yeah. It's like it's like playing Zelda, but everything went to shit or something. <laughs> you know, it's like getting lost in Ocarina yeah. of Time. Uh, yeah. oh, when you're in the, the woods, yeah. you keep going left, 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 left. Yeah, so. and that, and, yeah it's like a glitch in, yeah. in the planet. So, yeah, that was just... Uh, what a fucking mess that was. But it, that That's was, crazy. to me, I, retrospectively, I think that was like the best part of the whole trip was the Burks. And well, like you said, it showed, that, it showed that ability to come out of the turds nice and positively yeah yeah i mean really the strength that, of the team i don't did. think i don't think anyone else that was there would have been able to come out of it that positively i think if it had been like me rick steve and anyone else we would have been like fuck this <laughs> you guys run until we get to boston uh, <laughs> bye but you know those four rolled out of it like champs and um yeah and shit then it was just grunty work time it was weird, like, approaching the end of the whole thing, because you start, like, shit, we're running out of time, so you start, like, leapfrog relaying. Yeah. And you're like, okay, someone's going to run, like, the van's going to stop and do the 12 miles, and the RV's going to drop people off 12 miles up. And we're like, this is the only way we're going to get there in time for this media circus that's planned. So we would have, like, two runners going at a time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, 16 miles apart or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then we had... Oh, wow. Yeah, and then it got so hot out. Because it wasn't enough to coordinate one runner. Yeah, so it got so hot out, and people got so fucking tired that it turned into, I can only do, like, a mile at a time. Like That's the, what I saw at the end. The of attrition this, really set yeah. in. And, I like, Angie was still... I think she did, like, six at the end. I was doing yeah. four, two, yeah. three, four. And it was, like... It sucked. It really, like... 
it really just it was so hot and like nobody's slept in a couple of days and you're just that close to the end and it was like you know two or three miles i'm gonna do it and i started getting bloated and I would run by these windows, and I was really not enthused about the way that I was looking. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, vanity is so city. terrible, isn't it? I know, man? I'm looking in all the, the car windows that I'm running by, and I'm like, shit, people are seeing this. Uh, yeah, so the the end of it was... Man, it was gnarly. We went to the one of our parking areas for the um, the RV. Towards the end was the Little Women house. Oh, that's right. Little Women? Mm-hmm. The place that was authored and took yeah. place. And there's yeah. a movie, I think. Yeah, movie. Little Women. Yeah, so we were there. We we parked there, and there was like tourists everywhere. Um, that were just like, what the hell are all these topless like creeps doing in their RV, in the parking lot, eating freeze pops, and got uh, But yeah, so it turned into a lot of like shorter legs leapfrogging, and uh, you know, just doing whatever it took to get there in time. Uh, I think so what about those the the early legs when you're just sort of out there you mentioned like the the nighttime miles where you got the car you got the rv behind you yeah. and you sort of got the headlights and you're just sort of out there running yeah did that feel like work did that feel like no it felt, or crazy? it felt surreal i think to everybody out there it was like those it cooled down yeah. and everybody was just so sick of the heat that it was like okay it's cool i'm gonna take my time here and just enjoy it we had some awesome moons. It was yeah. like, like a. It wasn't a full moon, but it was like just hanging over your head. The waxing gibbous, or sorry, the waning gibbous. Yeah, and it was just like lingering and just just dishing out the light. It was really awesome. Like I, the the run I did the first night at like three in the morning. The whole time I was just, the moon's like right in my face. That's all I had to stare at the whole time. It was really just a, a profound and surreal moment. Um, a lot of it was really nice too, like running into sunrise. You know, you get the yeah, hit the sunrise coming out of the Burks. That was one of yeah. the more amazing running out of the Burks moments of my life. The first, the first sunrise was coming to the Mohawk Valley. Yeah. So like you're you, like I remember rounding a corner and seeing the whole valley open up. I like may have the brightening sky and like all the fog in the valley and stuff. Yeah, I may have been out for that one. The first night, the first day, really. So I finished my first, my second leg through Palmyra. Still crushing it. Uh, I think I ran six at like a 655 pace. It was like, I think 90 something degrees out at the time. Jump in the van and there's like a little bit of water and I pound it and I was like, I'm in here for another hour. I need, you know, what do we got? Amber had dropped off a couple bags of oranges back in med bed. So I was like, shit, here we go. I ate a whole bag of oranges. <laughs> and then I was like, Steve's like, hey, can I get a banana? And I was like, I'm going to eat one too. And I felt fine with the oranges, but I piled that banana on top, and I just felt something go wrong. It had, like it landed in my solar plexus, and oh, no. I was like, this is bad. Like my back started hurting, and uh, and then everything, I was like, what is this? And they're like, indigestion. And I was like... I, I'm vegan. I don't get indigestion. I texted Jeff, and I was like, dude, do you guys have any like Rolaids or Tums in the RV? He's like, no. So we stopped at a gas station. I bought a roll of Rolaids, and I'm just in the pit, I eat one, and I was like, it's getting worse, and the guy, Brad was just like, just keep eating them until it gets better, <laughs> I was like, sounds medical, okay, so I eat like, <laughs> half a sleeve of these things, and each one I take in, I'm like, it's maybe getting better, but I think it's getting worse, 
But the the strangest part was I like I got out and I ran and when I was running this all went away but then I stopped and it was like fuck you like I I, I can't express the degree of pain that I was and I went to lay down and it hurt so bad to lay down so I went to sit up and it hurt just as bad to sit up oh. and I was like it was this like I was being stabbed like in every organ in my in my uh, upper body and. We got to Syracuse, I think. I think it was Syracuse. Wow, yeah. this is was before Syracuse. So yeah, we so we had day one. This oh, yeah. is like just cruising into the evening, and we get to Syracuse, and we stop on Genesee Street, maybe if that's a street in Syracuse. I'm sure it is. And so Dunkin' Donuts, and I just walk in. Yeah. I was lying in the van. I was getting the spins, and I was like, I'm not even drunk, and I'm getting the spins. This is gonna be bad. So I just stagger into Dunkin' Donuts, and uh. They have that, like, the guy from the counter has to open the bathroom door for you from the counter. And he opens the door, and there's some employees, and I see them, like, just dicking around by the wall that backs up to the, the men's room. So I'm like, it's just me and them in the restaurant. It's, like, dead silent. I just hug the toilet and just, expl- like, violently explode for, like, ten minutes. It's coconut water. It's... I don't remember. There's some burrito in there from like the some day oranges. <laughs> some oranges, not enough oranges to make me feel like I really <laughs> fix it. Uh, it's going. I hear like I hear them. I hear someone on the other side of the wall. One of the employees is like, "Oh shit!" And I hear like <laughs> frantic, like trying to open the bathroom door. And I was like, "Shit!" They're trying to. They think I'm like dying. Yeah. So I like open the door, and it's this little punk kid, and he just had to pee. He was, it was like this six year old, and he's like holding this crouch, and I was like. So I was like, okay, go ahead. And he goes in the pee, and I walk back outside, and I was like, cool, that was done. And now I can just lay down and worry about tomorrow. And it just, I sat down, and it just came back. I was like, here we go, round two. Oh, no. Back into Dunkin' Donuts. I was like, open the door again. And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> and at this point, everybody had it, like, figured out. So I'm back in there for, like, another 15 minutes. And it was, like, gallons of shit just coming out of me. I don't even know how it all got there. I felt pretty light. <laughs> I was like, where is this coming from? Uh, it just kept coming. It it just won't stop. And then I come back outside and finally feeling a little bit of relief. And I'd think two more hours from there till I had to run again. So I was like, I'm just gonna lay down in the van, eat these bananas. Well, we stopped. So they stopped at Burger King. I don't know where you guys were at the time. We were waiting for you yeah, guys we to come through. You were running somewhere, and we were we stopped at Burger King. I threw like a recliner out in the parking lot of Burger yeah. King, and I was just watching some previews for the new. Uh, DC movies on my phone. Um, ate a couple French fries, and that kind of stayed down. Uh, so I felt optimistic from that point. Uh, and then had my first nighttime leg. Uh, but yeah, what a mess. What was like low? That was like, if I were to treat this whole thing as like a macrocosm of what an ultra marathon would be, I'd be like, you know, that was that really early low point where you're like. Mile six, time to drop. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, not my day. <laughs> like, yeah. fucked my ankle up, or at least that's what I'm going to tell everybody when I get back to the checkpoint. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm out. It was just that kind of, that kind of, uh, you know, low, low point in the event. And I really, I remember laying in the RV and being like, can't do this. Like, I'm going to have to call for someone to come pick me up in Syracuse or uh, Albany or something. There's no way I can do this. And I just slowly started to feel better in it. Which is good because it like lends more uh, 
weight to the the concept that I've been trying to like build within my own running where you know no matter how shitty things get during a particular run they eventually have to get better like things can only get so bad before they get better yeah you know um, and I think that's you know even if it takes like five hours eventually it has to get better and it took like five hours obviously in like a 50 miler you know yeah, about five hours in three days. That's over three days. It was, you know, and I got to let other people take the work for a little while, and everybody was mm-hmm. totally cool about it. Yeah, uh, and everyone would, you know, they would step up if they needed to. And yeah, people stepped up when when necessary. I stepped up when other people needed it, and I don't know how many miles most people covered. I don't know what you ended up with. Just under forty. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I saw all of Jeff's legs were like four mile legs. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty even. A little clockwork action. Yeah, I think I hit. Like so one of the things about this is you got you got 10 different people you got 10 different diets you got an rv and a car you yeah. got weird roads what's some of the weird stuff that you guys ate what what well, it was what? weird because i found out that angie and kevin are both vegans as well and mm-hmm. i didn't think that at first because it's like um angie actually they're both researchers in als research facilities uh she took that job after her dad died she shifted her major from like some biotech thing to to focus on uh als research and she's a lab tech now and kevin is too um and one of the like the lower points in my opinion of the typical als research is that they do a lot of animal research uh, right yeah. historically and that's been kind of like a a butting of the head for me like feeding the dog you know dog food that's not plant-based is always something I have to like as a vegan be like you know I'm kind of a piece of shit because I don't live up to my own uh, ethical values but I you know cognitive dissonance being what it is um but yeah so to find Angie and Kevin and they had a bag that was like stop animal testing and it was like and they do you know cell culture testing that has nothing to do with animals they're approaching it you know from a different angle altogether which was cool to see also and hear about the technology that, that they use and the approaches they take to um contributing to to the therapy uh so yeah they had some food that they made they had some like really good roasted potatoes and some some uh you know pasta salad that was there that they made and cereal which is all in my kitchen now and a bunch of <laughs> nice bunch of things i left behind that are all in my kitchen and i'll slowly consume as i start wanting to eat food again i uh, take their sheets took jeff's their got some sheets that they sheets. left behind yeah. yeah they really just provided like a garage sale basically yeah. Yeah. they're canadian fucking right? yard sale like maybe they didn't want to take it all across the border yeah there was some like <laughs> really pissed off guy that came out of nowhere at like 6 a.m once Oh, when yeah. we were in a parking lot and he started shit. I was trying to poop and this guy just got all belligerent. Were you from in his, his yard? No, I was in a parking <laughs> lot and he just like called it his yard. He's like private property and I was like, where did you come from, dude? There's not like, there's a trailer like a mile away and this is like just a vacant parking lot. He's like, get out of here. It's private property. So Angie comes out of the RV and she's like, dude, like what the hell? We're leaving in a minute. And he's like, you're leaving now. And I was like, Welcome to America, Angie. <laughs> and the guy just looked at me like, what the fuck? And I was like, eh, I don't know. It's embarrassing. They got hit. Yeah, it was a weird situation. I just wanted to poop. Yeah. So bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably looking at you that way because you're, you know, squatting down. Well, what happened was I had, a, I had some toiletries in my hand, and he comes flying through the gravel, and I just stuffed it into my waist belt yeah. and put my shirt over it. 
Like yeah. I was covering concealing a weapon. <laughs> That's safer. And it, safer I know, than and concealing then, toilet paper. As I'm doing this, I'm like, man, if he's like a, a gun guy, he's probably going to be like, I thought he had a gun in his and just shoot me. Yeah. And he, he was the kind of guy that I think was probably like looking for a reason to shoot me. He was pretty fired up, and it was he was cranky. And uh, I think just getting out from like the bar, and he probably like was trying to go home with some chick, and it didn't work out. She probably left with his dad or something. <laughs> you haven't thought about this. So I, just, no, I was trying to like figure out why a guy would be so mad about just yeah. some guy like me trying to poop. Because, you know, God forbid someone takes a shit. Uh, in the bushes, um, but as I said, dude, we're doing, we're running to Boston, raising money for a thing, and he said, "There's a parking area five miles up the road. Go to that." And I was like, "Our runners are gonna be here literally in two minutes, and then we'll leave." And he's like, five miles up the road," and I was like, "Okay, so we're just gonna put the left turn signal on, and we're gonna just pretend that there's cars coming by, and we can't get out of the parking lot." <laughs> We did that for a minute, and then we turned left, and I just jumped out and took a shit everywhere. I took, like, literally, like, the biggest shit in my life. It was awesome. And the it cars, seems like you really had a lot to get out. It was like, awesome. The cars trip. on the 90 are flying by, and I was like, don't even care. I don't care if you're on your way to work. I don't care what you're doing. I'm here. <laughs> this is your world now. Uh, just got to do it, and that's all because that guy. He just wasn't, you know, it wasn't. Anger, anger begets anger. Ang- exactly. You know? Yeah, fuck. Um, so one of the things you were mentioning in the researchers and you were mentioning in the ALSTDI and like over the weekend I had heard that, um, remember the whole ice bucket challenge and how it was like, oh, it's a big fad and the money's yeah. not going anywhere and everything like that. Well, I, I read an article over the weekend that actually that specific, that money that was donated, yeah. however they track that, actually did um, identify a specific gene and so there's yeah. actually like that research from that fundraising was fruitful yeah. in regards to those researchers being funded yeah well i mean if you look if you look at it like what what angie come to in particular they study a, a mutation of the gene that only affects i think brazilian people yeah. right yeah. i think it's brazilian people with als there's like a genetic mutation that affects such a rare subset of of uh victims of the disease and that's like literally what they're doing in the lab is finding a way to combat this uh ethnic specific wow. uh, mutation and they've actually found something that like looks like it's going to work and it's like from there can you build into like the, right. Add the in blanket of the whole thing one. and it's yeah it's uh you know it's, angie i think angie's an amazing case in this whole thing because she's someone that like has to she's approaching it from the standpoint of someone that may like inevitably end up also being um coming down with the, with the illness like this is something that could hit her too mm-hmm. and that's you know that's what we have to look at yeah it's almost like a race right it is, yeah it's yeah. like and you know um you have to look at that as a, a child of a parent with the disease and the degree to which genetics impact it and mm-hmm. um i think her more so than than me i think she has to um i think i think i overheard her saying that she has you know, a bit more implication for, for the possibility of, you know, having an issue down the road. Um, but, yeah, so what what they're, like, you, you start to understand, like, the the specifics of, of where these uh, these research methods are coming from and how they're, they're approaching the whole thing. And it's just like, whoa. Uh, so something like the Ice Bucket Challenge, which so many people were pissed off about, they're like, oh, 
you know, fuck this. And it's like, you know, it's like the all lives matter of the terminal illness campaign. Yeah, it's exactly. like, you know, you're trying to give money to this disease that has no funding for a period. And people are showing up like, what about lung cancer? Or like, what about MS? And I'm like, what about them? I know yeah, it sucks. Exactly. Like nobody is saying that, that <laughs> uh, like people dying of breast cancer how, suck. <laughs> how infuriating, <laughs> but, isn't it? Is that that's, that's like the crazy, most yeah. infuriating thing to me? Yeah. So sudden, that, and that was that was why I wrote that fucking thing in the first place was because people kept bitching, but they're like, ALS, what is this shit? And I was like, what do you mean? What? Like it kills people. It fucking sucks. I can't think of a disease that sucks more to watch somebody die from. I've watched people die from a lot of things. And I literally, like, can't think of a single fucking thing that destroys somebody so visually and so, like, you know, makes helpless the most powerful people in your life. Like, the, you know, your dad or your, the, the people that you think are so invincible. And it takes that and it just, like, dissects them right in front of you quickly but slowly and, you know, with their full mental capacity and with their wits about them. So they have to watch themselves die slowly and then hide it from you and be like i'm okay things are going to be okay and they're dying and uh the whole time pretending everything's going to be okay and they just disintegrate you pe these people f you're uh helplessly decaying and fast forward um and because of how rare it's been nobody knows what it is so when people see like any degree of attention going towards it defensiveness is the obvious reaction out of current americans they're like what the fuck is this? I don't get it. Someone to talk shit about it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was that, and that was you know uh, something that was uh, very troubling to me. So I, you know, I wrote that thing, and I think that's how I ended up. And I think Steve read that and was like, "Oh, this this guy went across the country <laughs> the, with me." The, yeah. <laughs> this is a <laughs> guy. This is a guy I want in a van or, with me for X amount of days. Looked like the kind of guy that didn't have anything better to do. <laughs> we, we need a murderer like, in our yeah, group. We, apparently, we need a, a homicidal maniac. Uh, along for the ride. You're one of the nicest murderers I've ever met. Mike. Yeah, I'm kind. I say, like, of all the people, you're not. A, you're not a very. You're with. not a very effective murderer. Killing people with kindness. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, it's something that people don't have to think about a lot because it, it rarely affects anyone, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But it's a horrible thing, and. It was cool to be, to once again be part of the, the monetary, you know, contribution to something that hopefully will ultimately lend itself to, to saving some lives, solving some problems, and making kids not have to listen to that, you know, horror story anymore. Yeah. yeah. I guess that was the, the purpose of the ad adventure to begin with. But I think, you know, on a personal level for everybody involved, it ended up being about, you know, way more than, than like, a disease or money for the disease. Or, like, you know, you have to lose sight of the the overarching objective to to get through the, the harder miles, and that's when you, like, develop a sense of family with people you've never met before and became some, like, fucked-up reality TV show. It was, like, day one of the real world or something. And I was the situation. <laughs> I just wanted to be. You were the situation. <laughs> like, you wanted no, to have like, like the situation. I was like or something, but, um, yeah. Okay. Um, other thoughts, Jeff? No. Oh. I I got we got questions completely unrelated random questions. 
So, are these the lightning round questions? Yeah, you want to do some lightning round questions? Or do you want some final closing thoughts, Jeff? Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, we, no. we covered a lot of it, you know. I think I would definitely agree with what Mike said about um, the idea of coming together as a, as a single group. These, like, ten of us pretty much strangers to one another. Um, many of us didn't know each other. And, you know, by the end, we were all really good friends and teammates and um yeah it's uh it's a really it's a really great thing to watch those kinds of relationships grow and things like this are really good for it and i thought that was a really uh beautiful thing to come out of the weekend yeah the end the end Okay, so I got some random questions. Yeah. We got our, our Patreon people, but now we've opened it up to the whole Slack channel. So now I got other Slack people asking questions. And they're getting better now, now that we've increased the numbers, people are practicing. So, first question. Uh, let's go with Jeff first, since you just finished talking. Okay. Um, so, this is these are real live listener-submitted questions, Jeffrey. I'm looking at them right here. Do I'm you look, I'm looking, who submitted them? I'm looking inside the Slack chat room right here. All right. Question for each of you. Are we no, live no right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they submitted them yesterday that and today. That would have totally thrown me for a loop. I was like, <laughs> nobody told anyone that Greg Rose upstairs putting a ceiling fan in my bedroom. I would, I would like to be live, <laughs> live uh, someday. But yes, Greg Greg is upstairs being handyman extraordinaire. I'm Mike, bleeding and sweating all over the fucking place. He fucked himself up. Mike didn't tell him that he left the electricity on. <laughs> oh my, is that what happened? Oh. Greg shorted out my house with his power. <laughs> okay, number one, Jeff, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh my god, I want to be just like Mike Jordan. Like Mike, solid. If I could be solid. like Mike, Space Jam. Yep. <laughs> if we could go play right. basketball, against aliens. Mr. Weldon, what do you want to be when you grow up? Jamie Hobbs. Jamie Hobbs. Whew. I want to be a short, handsome lawyer that's 41 years old. And runs like a 29-year-old. And year runs old. like a 29-year-old with All a right. wife and two great kids. So that's the evolution. We gonna, we'll go yeah. from me to you, Jamie. Is yeah. That... <laughs> yeah, you're going to grow up into be Mike. Mike's going to grow up into be Jamie. And eventually you'll be Jamie. We'll come full circle. Yeah, and you'll be me. Yeah. It yeah. does, it does firmly put Jamie in line as the oldest person in a group, though, mm-hmm. which I think he, he is. But yeah. Masters. Yeah, but he's twenty nine. He just hit the age. He gets younger. He gets younger into every day. Rick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, um, this next question, which is interesting, is, what is your, um, what is your most memorable or epic adventure run? Since we're talking about an epic adventure run, um, what's your most memorable big run? Do that first. You've. I've right. had more recent ones. I gotta think. For well, a second. yeah, I've had I've had a bunch of really epic stuff recently. Um, so, but probably the most memorable is the the first time I ever did something like that. Um, it was the first time I was ever gonna run an ultra, and the plan I had signed up to do Green Lakes uh, endurance runs, do the fifty k there. Oh, what a mess. Yeah, and then I woke up that morning. I was like, I am not driving to Syracuse to run this fucking race. So instead, I ran to Geneseo along the Greenway. From Rochester to Geneseo. From Rochester to Geneseo. And that ended up being 37 or 38 miles. And that was like the first time 
I had done something where I was like, I'm just going to do this because I can and I know the route. And I'm not planning anything. I don't have any, like, I'm just taking water and food and I'll it get there. brought a little dropper with water in it. <laughs> yeah, a little eyedropper. Yeah, an eyedropper. <laughs> like One milliliter of water. behind my ear. Yeah. <laughs> like a cigarette <laughs> yeah. or like a pencil. Grabbed a handful of air <laughs> to eat later. Mile 36. <laughs> just like. Yeah. And I, so, like, I took a... Uh, space box. <laughs> I didn't know anything about uh, hydration. So I took, like, a whole backpack yeah. It was like a huge. What do you mean you didn't pack. know anything about hydration? What have you learned about <laughs> hydration? Since I learned then? that I don't need. Tell it. me some of the shit that you've learned. <laughs> After carrying that backpack, I was like, I don't need to carry anything. This is stupid. That's really right. That's probably our yeah. first ultra that turned you off of hydration. It, it probably that was probably it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I always think of that as something that's really. Uh, it was a big turning point for me in running. Yeah, just realizing that you could up and do it, right? Yeah, and I didn't need to sign up for a race to do it. Mm-hmm. I could just do it because I wanted to. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Weldon? Um, the most epic adventure. What's run. your your yeah your favorite epic adventure? Big time, big thing. Beer mile. The beer mile. Beer the mile. Je- the Mike a, the Mike Wechtab Memorial track. beer mile. That was the hardest run I've ever done in my life. <laughs> that was really hard. It was bad. Um, but. This I think this probably is the Boston thing is probably up there, uh, in terms of like the scope and the magnitude and oh, the sure. impact that it had on, like my perspective on, you know, humanity and, um, what it means to develop friendships with people that you wouldn't otherwise develop friendships with and things like that. It takes the sort of like loneliness and like isolationist nature out of out of the sport that we do, uh, the, that like singularity and it kind of, uh, you know, gives it a, a new, um, s- sort of, uh, wonderful kind of, um, essence, if you will, for, for lack of a better word, it's like, you know, you're, you're engaging in the same, you know, uh, difficult and traumatizing challenge and task and you're taking it on but you're doing it you know not even at the same time as these people but like as as a unit with them and uh it's like a like a worm like a like Mm -hmm. a long inch worm that's just like up and down and up and down and uh so this was one of them uh burning river i guess would be hard to say that it wasn't the most epic and yeah. absurd day your, of my life your first hundred miler my first hundred miler um i don't think like i don't know if anyone ever can find a more like holy shit adventure than their first hundred miler um which so, again like ultimately ended up being more of a team effort being yeah, like and it's nearly the anniversary of that yeah right? well actually the anniversary yeah, was passed. boston oh, yeah. like the yeah. day we ran to boston was i think the one year of my first yeah. hundred but then the damn Republicans just rolled into Cleveland and jacked up uh, the whole ultra calendar. Gonna gonna restart. <laughs> Trump was Trump was like move Burning River. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I got the best ultras. Thanks. He said my, I got ultras. I got the best ultras. My race is huge. <laughs> There's no problem. I assure you. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, well, here's one, uh, the least crappy looking scenery on the relay. I think we sort of covered that, the Burks. Mohawk Valley. Oh yeah. He liked them. I wasn't, I, like the Mohawk I didn't Valley. realize that. I was, what, the fuck was, I, what was I doing? Recovering? I don't think I was probably puking or something, but 
uh, the Burks, like, the parts we hit where it was awesome, the headlights would hit, and, like, the forest is really unique where we were. It was totally different than the forest here, but it's mm-hmm. only, like, fucking five hours away or something. Right. And it's just, like, it was almost, like, rainforest-ish. Uh, and to me, like, that that sort of, like, spotlight effect, like, you only get to see so much of it. It had this creepy, like, Blair Witch Project feel to it. That's exactly uh, how I felt, yeah, going through there. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of just thought back to the Blair Witch Project. We're like, we're all going to die. Where did that take place? Was it in? I think it was Massachusetts or Maine. It was yeah, one of the two. I think it was Northeast, yeah. yeah. And when we talked about the Blair Witch Project, yeah. we talked about how when it first came out, like, the internet wasn't really a thing. So you just believed everything that came up on the internet. And marketing geniuses Mm -hmm. at the studio were like, let's make a webpage. Everybody will believe that. Remember when people were actually upset when they found out it wasn't real? I was pissed. You were one of the people? Yeah, we had a van load of fucking people that were like, we're going there and we're going to get fucked up. Like, we're going to (laughs) have air freshener and find this thing and it's going to be great. I guess. See, I could see going. Brian, you're a little bit older than me. I am. But no, I could see going in for the adventure. But people, people that were upset that those people actually didn't get I was murdered. pissed. I thought they. I was like, they oh cheapened the whole experience. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's the six years difference between you and I. <laughs> I was like, fuck you guys. I'm an affluent parenting kid, and nobody yeah. died, and now I'm pissed. Yeah, because I was like 20, and you were like 14, 15. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a minivan between the 12 of us. Yeah. And I think we returned a bunch of bottles that day to get gas money to drive to where the Blair Witch Project <laughs> We had really thought this out. Then someone was just like, guys, it's not real. And we're like, dude, it's on the internet. It's fucking real. There's a web page. There's two web pages back then. AOL.com and the Blair Witch Project.com. There was two. This, was, this predates Google. <laughs> It was like on Prodigy and CompuServe. Uh, so, yes, it was real. Okay. Um, we got two more left here. Um, Jeff, this one might, might I don't know. Uh, favorite 80s cartoon? Wow. Shit. You fuckers. Mighty Mouse. You slack fuckers. Mighty Mouse. Super Ted, Mighty Mouse, interchangeable. Yeah. Is, is Scooby-Doo from the 80s? <laughs> I figured. Green <laughs> looks like Scooby-Doo. fucking Shaggy right now. <laughs> Coming around here with this. Wait a minute, let me see if I do It's got to be 80s. Wait, Jeff, Jeff, sorry. Give it to me. No, I'm not giving me. you anything. Scooby-Doo, you come say on. Simpsons. What about, uh, I like uh, Tom and Jerry. Nope, Simpsons 1990. 89, right? Yeah, 89. Christmas 89. Yeah, you're on yeah. the cusp, right? You're really pushing up, but... Yeah, sorry, Green. You weren't alive in the 80s. You weren't alive in the 80s. Jeff Green, born in 93, right? Yeah. 91, come 91. on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Give me something. Give me those two years. I need them. All right. Um, last one. Favorite dessert. Avocado chocolate mousse. Wow, that sounds delicious. Red fern. Red fern, avocado oh, chocolate mousse. got to go ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. All right. What kind of ice cream? You're not getting out that easy. No, I... Ice cream. It looks right. like you just like I'm vanilla. Not, I'm not like, selective. I don't right. discriminate. Vanilla bean. Greg Rowe, what's your favorite dessert? Uh, rum and chocolate milk. I thought that was coming. Cool. I rum, knew it was going to be a drink. Rum and chocolate milk Mixed is drink. Greg Rowe's favorite right. dessert. Actually, wow. that's. I'm going to have to try that. I like this guy polish off. What do you call that? Like a rum chata or something? You just call it rum and chocolate milk? 
I've seen him drink dozens. Rum and Choco. He's gone somewhere. All right. Okay. Uh, anything else, guys? I'm good. All right. Me too. Thanks, good. Chris. We're good. Thanks, yeah. Christopher. Hey, yeehaw. Thank you, guys. Thanks for chatting me up. Check yeah. one, too. Thanks for running to Boston. You're welcome. Thanks for being cool. So the relay has raised about $22,000 so far and is still going. So if you'd like to learn more about ALS or to donate, there are some links in the show notes, including one to Mike's highly recommended blog article. For real, go read that thing. Um, the show notes you can find at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 035. And for those of you that don't want to type that and you're, you know, into the whole brevity thing, try R-I-O podcast. Yep. Rio podcast. Not the, the Olympics. Nope. Um, and you can get out to the show notes that way. But, you know, go check out, uh, learn a little bit more about ALS. Uh, check out some more of the stuff that uh, Steve Luther has put together. And really, read Mike's article. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for all the kind words and feedback. Really appreciate it. And again, as always, thank you for getting out there and creating more great stories to share with us. So with that, be thankful for what you've been given. Be proud of what you've achieved. And let go of what you've lost. See you out there.